When Jesus heard about John, that is, the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot to the sit- from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, This is an isolated place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now I want you to think back with me this morning. Do you remember the great toilet paper shortage <laughs> of 2020? We were a month into this crazy thing called the coronavirus. None of us knew what was happening. We were locked away. And maybe, honestly, like I'm wondering like in 10 years what we're going to write about this because I still think it's too close. Like, but, but do you remember how hard it was to find TP for a little bit, right? And it seemed like some people must have been stockpiling all, all <laughs> of the toilet paper. And... The first time that when there was a snowstorm that was bound to come in North Carolina when I lived here, and by that I mean one inch, and, um, and it might maybe come, and WRAL had to run seven straight days of nonstop coverage uh, with the weather team out. And anyway, that was, I didn't understand the ice at the time coming from Chicago, but that's okay. And so, but, and I remember at every time, right, they, the, the news anchor, the reporter stands in front of the empty shelf of bread or the empty cooler of milk because apparently everyone's going to make milk sandwiches during the, during the storm, right? And it was like that, but even more because it was our toilet paper, right? And you couldn't get it anywhere and eat. Costco didn't even have toilet paper for a little bit. Costco always has toilet paper, right? And so there was nowhere to get it. Everything felt scarce because there wasn't Toilet paper, right? And, and then we learned about how like all the supply chains for everything in the whole world were getting screwed up and all the things. But man, I mean, we needed our toilet paper. In this text today, Jesus goes away, it says, to grieve. It says he left the area and, and, and goes um, to the other side of the lake because he's just learned that John the Baptist has died. Now, John the Baptist didn't just die. John the Baptist was beheaded at the hands of Herod, right? So we learned that that's actually what happened. And John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin and also the one who would proclaim and, and, and point to Jesus throughout his whole ministry. 
So Jesus has learned that John has died. He's also then realizing that things are getting very real in his ministry and ultimately probably knows that it's going to lead him to his own death, not knowing when, but that it will. So Jesus goes away, it says, to have a quiet place, deserted place to be able to pray. And yet who shows up there ahead of him? The crowds. They come from the cities. They somehow find out where he's going. Maybe one of the disciples leaked the information or they found a tweet about it or something. And so they found out where he's going. And Jesus in that place could have been really, really annoyed. He wanted to go away and grieve over his cousin. He wanted to spend time in prayer. We see Jesus getting away often, making sure that he is charged up for the ministry that he has. But instead, the text tells us that he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And then in kind of a throwaway line to us, it just says, and he healed them, right? So miracle number one actually happened in the first couple verses of this text, right? Because Jesus has compassion on all the crowds that show up, and he heals them. I mean, he, they they might, he might have been healing for most of the day on this day of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, right? They could have been lined up and Jesus was healing them from all sorts of infirmities or from demon possession or all the various things that Jesus heals people of. And the disciples, if, if Jesus wasn't annoyed, the disciples seem pretty annoyed at this point because the disciples were like, good, he wants to get away. It's time for Jesus and the boys again right? And they're pumped about it. They want, they want to have some retreat time with Jesus. They, they're ready to get away with him and to just spend this time thinking with him. But a few chapters earlier, Jesus had sent out the disciples to do his work. He gave them the power to heal and to teach and to cast out demons and to do everything that Jesus was doing. But the disciples, they're, they're annoyed. So they say, hey, Jesus, it, it's getting late. Send them away. Send the crowds away so they can get something to eat, right? That's kind of their excuse in that place. But Jesus wants the disciples to know that they are not just supposed to be receivers of his ministry now. They are supposed to be extenders of his ministry. This is what Jesus models for us with the disciples and that we get ended up modeled to us in the book of Acts with the spreading of the church. And it's ultimately what we learn is that none of us here are receivers alone of Jesus' ministry. The problem with coming and sitting in church and hearing someone like me talk is that sometimes you think that I just got to receive something today. I just need to take it in. And the reality is that you are receiving this so that you go out so that you go out and extend the ministry of Jesus, right? It is not me alone who is a minister of Jesus. It is all of us who are ministers of Jesus called to serve, called to provide for others, and that's what Jesus wants them to do. So they say to Jesus, the disciples do, right? Jesus, send them away. Jesus says, no way. We're not sending them away. They don't need to be sent away. You give them something to eat. Now, that might sound like a casual thing, except for the fact is they're in the middle of a wilderness, right? And there's not anything to just eat. There's, they, they didn't have like a DoorDash situation where they could call. There wasn't like a catering option nearby. Nothing like it. So Jesus saying, you give them something to eat, seems pretty crazy. So the disciples say, Jesus, here's what we've got. Nothing. We've got nothing. We have nothing here except five loaves 
of bread and two fish, like probably enough food for those disciples to sit around and have a meager meal, just the 12 of them, right? These loaves probably go between two people. We have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. This sounds like scarcity, right? The disciples in this place sound a little bit, a little bit like a kid sitting in their playroom telling you that there is nothing to do while they're surrounded by toys. That's never happened in my life on a daily to weekly basis, right? Like, and you've done the thing like, we're never going to get you any toys ever again, right? But anyway, and that's a whole another thing, but, but it's about scarcity. Or it was like people with the toilet paper in 2020, right? Saying, you know, what, what if I run out? Meanwhile, they, they've stockpiled, they got three 30-packs sitting there of the Jumbo Mega Roll, you know? The one with the bear on it, right? And, and, and they've got them sitting there. Meanwhile, people are saying, Where, I, I can't find any toilet paper at all the places. What if I run out? How would Jesus actually feed 20 people with this meager offering that we have? So Jesus has the crowd sit, right? Which is a big deal when there's 5,000 plus, probably maybe 20,000 people there, right? So he has them all sit. And what does he do? He takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks it and gives it to them. And what's amazing about the scripture here is it says everyone ate until they were full. How? How? And the answer is we have no idea because it doesn't tell us any details about that. It doesn't tell us about the distribution pattern and how the disciples went out and did this. All it tells us is what they came back with. Everyone ate till they were full and there were 12 baskets left over. There's more than enough for everyone. The miracle in this case is not necessarily about the power of Jesus. That's usually what we think of about when we think about miracles. Jesus is displaying his power over the natural world and all the things he can do. The miracle is really in Jesus' compassion for the people. In a place where he could have looked them aside or sent them on their way, Jesus had compassion on the people. Jesus may have prayed the ancient Jewish table blessing that was often prayed. Praise unto thee, O Lord our, King, our, o Lord our God, King of the world, who makes bread to come forth from the earth. Who makes bread to come forth from the earth. And when I hear that image, I think about manna coming forth out of the ground every morning for the Israelites in the desert. Bread coming forth from the earth. And I wonder if when we pray a blessing before a meal, if our efforts aren't just a little bit facetious, almost maybe lying. Like we pray like to honor God before a meal, but really what we're saying is like, but I mean, really, I just bought this with my money. And really, like, I have enough food in my fridge to last for a week. And really, I don't, like, when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, I don't really mean it, right? And what if when we went to pray, we actually thought with the mentality that says, God makes the bread to come forth from the earth? What if we thought about the mentality about all that happens 
to actually get our food before us and in front of us, all the things and places, when we're not in a very agrarian society anymore, right? When our kids think that food comes from Food Lion, right? Or from Harris Teeter, um, and, and, that, and that that's the, that's the way in which it comes. But no, like all the processes that have to happen for that to come before us, and that somehow we are blessed to even be able to receive and that God provides for us. Friends, there is always, always enough for God to work. I think about Elijah and the widow at Zarephath, right? She's ready to die and prepare her last meal for her and her son. Elijah says, well, make me something, right? And then he basically promises that this oil and this flour you have, it's never going to run out and it never runs out. God provides more than enough. But we live like we're playing a board game. I'm going to go nerd on you for a second. There's this game called the Settlers of Catan. All right. It's a, it's a nerdy board game. And in that game, at the beginning, you have to make roads. And the only way you make roads is by getting bricks and wood. And so in the beginning of the game, all you want is bricks and wood because you got to build roads. Okay. But eventually those have to go to cities. And to build cities, you need wheat and you need iron ore and you need uh, sheep. And the problem is, early in the game, you made it so you could get the roads. And then by the end of the game, you're stuck with really long roads that lead to nowhere, okay? And no city to go to. And you just have, like, way, way more brick and wood than any person could ever need. We stockpile the wrong things in this case. We're sitting with, we had to buy an extra shed for all the toilet paper we bought in 2020, uh, and we don't have the other things that we need. One of the greatest lessons I learned uh, in a leadership program that I was in a few years ago was this, is that you as a leader have everything you need within you. You have everything you need. We often send off people to a leadership conference or to academy to, to say, come back and, and get, the, get the latest thing, the latest skills you need. This is why there's such things as consultants in the world so that they can consult on something and, and we can get the biggest and best advice and we can read the thing from the Harvard Business Review or whatever the latest is so that they can guide us into the preferred future. And one of the best things I learned in this program was you got everything you need. You're the leader that you need to be. God has given you more than enough. More than enough. There's another way in which we can lead groups and processes and it's called appreciative inquiry. And, and usually when we think about like guiding people or groups through change, whether that's like our family or whether it's a church or whether it's a school or a government, we start with what's wrong? What is the gap? Where's the problems? What needs to be better? And appreciative inquiry does the exact opposite. It says what's going great and what do we want more of of that? It basically presumes that we have everything we need as a group, it starts from a place of abundance and not scarcity. Friends, what I want you to hear today is that in God's kingdom, there is always, always more than enough. Always. God will provide everything we need and then some with 12 baskets left over, but it takes us to flip how we see the world. Friends, our entire economy and way of life is defined by scarcity, right? There's not enough 
So we do things like make a run on toilet paper because we're a capitalistic society. We're used to that, right? We think about getting into a school and there's so many, so many slots. So how will I position myself to get into that school? Or I'm going to go for a job and there's 100 people vying for two spots at a job. So how will I position myself to get above someone? Everything is scarce in the way that our world operates. In God's, in God's kingdom, God is saying, there's always more than enough. There's always more than enough for all of us, even to the point of overflowing and abundance and generosity. So how will we live? How will we live out of a scarcity mentality and instead out of an abundant mentality? Let's pray. Jesus, you not only fed 5,000 plus people on that day, but you gave us a picture of what life is like in your realm. And Lord, we need to live out of that picture all of the time. Because God, the way of our world screams at us, there isn't enough. You are not enough. Your whatever fill in the blank is not enough. And that's all we hear, not enough, never enough. Hoard, keep, guard. And you call us to words like open, share, rejoice, celebrate, thanksgiving. Jesus, help us to live in the way of your kingdom, not just today, but in every day. Amen.